You're listening to the Build Assets Online Podcast. Learn how you You. can build a diverse and sustainable income online from two brothers who actually do it. Now, here are your hosts, Mike and Joe. What's going on, everyone? Joe and Mike and our good friend and colleague, Braden here from buildassetsonline.com coming at you. We have a very special episode for you today. Uh, Braden sold one of his dropshipping stores for, what was it, $400,000 or a little above? Yeah, right at four hundred. Nice. But uh, there's a little plot twist is that it was actually our store and he bought it. So we're going to talk about all that, the whole process of him buying the store from us, how he eventually sold for more because he bought it for not that much. He bought it for a fraction of that, even 30000 and managed to get a nice little flip off. So we're going to explore the details of that. So Brayden, welcome to the show. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people how you got started, I guess you could say, in online Yeah, so I, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I started um, my Amazon FBA was my intro. So back in, I think, 2014, um, yeah, six or seven years ago, I, um, was just listening to some podcasts and well, actually that's a lie. That's a lie. I forget this c- crucial point was my first, it was 2011. I started selling stuff on eBay and Amazon buying and flipping, uh, buying stuff from China, um, and just selling it. It was kind of at the beginning stages. Um, but I would just kind of buy junk, you know, like I remember the first thing I bought was a 256 gigabyte um, memory USB drive. And I would buy them from China, um, and sell them on eBay and Amazon, um, just to make a couple bucks here and there. Um, that turned into me foolishly purchasing a, um, like a a Walmart truck full of, uh, return items, like a whole huge, um, this, I remember to this day came to my dad's office, my dad, we didn't have room for it. I didn't realize what we bought. Um, my dad helped loan me some of the money. Um, and it was just a ton of stuff just from speakers to TVs to everything. And that didn't work out so well because a lot of it was broken and stuff. But, and then, so I kind of stopped doing that, you know? Um, and then, um, just was working a lot of manual labor jobs, um, and realized quickly, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And so started listening to podcasts and then started my first Amazon FBA business. Uh, my first one was I wanted something small. And so I did a, uh, when it was right when it was getting super popular, uh, those Kalo rubber uh, wedding rings. So I just gotten married and I was working and I almost ripped my finger off using a metal ring. And so I was like, you know, started researching it, found these rings. And I was like, Hey, I can make those. And that was my first Amazon FBA business. Um, I wasn't too technical online. And so I ended up selling that business pretty quick, um, about a year into it. And I sold it just on the Facebook group. Um, you know, we had a Facebook group, a bunch of Amazon people. Uh, I didn't go through a broker or anything. Um, and then from there, um, I started my first brand, um, like a real brand and put a lot of money into it. It was in the outdoor niche and partnered up with my, you guys know, uh, my partner, James, um, who was specializing at the time in Amazon Associates. Uh, we partnered up um, with affiliate sites and Amazon FBA products. Um, uh, in this time, I've also purchased and sold a, 
and insurance. You guys probably think that I'm just selling all my businesses. I do keep a lot of businesses. Um, I sell when there's opportunities, right, to exit or when I, when I see that I can't take it far, you know, any further, I sell it. But um, dabbled in that in uh, insurance as well and bought and sold a, you know, it it's, has nothing to do with uh, Amazon, but we sold uh, for the insurance, like all these detail shops and all these auto shops, they have to... Uh, um, submit claims for rock chip repair. It's like 50 to hundred bucks. Super, super simple cost the people like a dollar, but someone needs to take all that hard, like going to the insurance company because it's always covered and getting that. And that was what the business was. So we purchased that in like 2016, sold it in 2019. Um, but yeah. And then I uh, bought the, with James, we bought a couple sites. Some of them didn't go very well. Um, Cause they were all like, um, couple of affiliate sites right but they're small you know 20 30 grand and some of them we bought and they just went to zero real quick and then we bought your guys' site and had a lot of success and that was what opened up i didn't do any drop shipping until i bought the site from you guys and that's what kind of opened up my eyes to drop shipping and here i am a drop shipping fan still have amazon fba businesses but more of a drop shipping fan now yeah, I, I want to get into the differences, um, like from your perspective with doing FBA versus doing drop shipping. But the one thing I want to note is that uh, you've really seems like it, you've just been not afraid to take risks. Like from the get go, you know, you start selling stuff on eBay, all of a sudden you're buying trucks from Walmart. And then, you know, you listen to a podcast about FBA, you're buying rings. So, like, what's your approach, like your, your mindset behind? just diving right into these businesses. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I, I think that's one, one of the characteristics, I guess, of myself that I'm grateful for is I just, I just do things, even if I don't know how to get it, I don't have to like plan it out. You know, it's good to have plans and everything, but you know, I think a lot of people are smarter than me and are more capable than me, but they just don't get off. Don't do it. You know? And I think it's just, yeah, you just had to have that mentality. You have to be willing to lose. But in the end, too, it's like you you look at what you can lose and it's you can always get back up. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. I mean, what what's the worst thing? You live, I mean, you lose a little bit of money. I mean, you, know, you live in your mom's house for a little bit, regroup, and then you start a new business, you know? So uh, you know, I guess worst case scenario, right? I, I always go through that worst case scenario. I have a family now. I have uh, a, ch- a two-year-old and, a, and another child on the way, and I'm like, what's the worst case scenario? I lose everything. What would I do if I lost everything? I just start another business because I have the tools and everything to, to do it. It's pretty, um, gives me peace of mind actually, you know, but, um, I think what, I guess that's just my characteristic, but, um, that's just my advice to everyone is just go do it. You guys, especially if you're in this program with build assets, I mean, my goodness, if I had the, the stuff that you guys put out and just for everyone to know, I didn't, uh, uh, wasn't a part of your guys' program and I didn't have, there's so much in there that would have helped me in so many ways. I just learned it all myself, you know? Yeah. And, you had never bought a course. That you know, I, I tried a couple different courses that never really worked out, but they were small, right? You know, like hundred bucks here, 50 bucks there. And I think that was my problem. And so I didn't really believe too much in courses. I see now that, you know, how much value the right course can provide and mm-hmm. guidance. And a lot of people really need that. Fortunately, I think, one of the biggest things is my dad was, has always been an entrepreneur. And so, okay, you know, nothing online, but he's always just done his own thing. And it, I think that, so I, I, that was, so I gave you guys the story of my first online business, but the first 
he, I was going to go sell pest control. And a lot of my success, I think comes from sales. Um, I did a lot of sales jobs and, uh, I came back home from college and I was going to go work for a guy to sell pest control. And my dad was like, why would you go sell for this guy? Why don't you just start your own company? I'm like, cause I know nothing about pest control. Like I can't just start my own company, you know? And we talked a little bit. Next thing you know, I started my own pest control company and I uh, learned pretty quick and then built a sales team. And we actually did end up selling that business. And that was my first big exit. Um, now I did start my Amazon FBA business while I had that pest control business. So mm -hmm. a lot of my online stuff I did while I had that service based business. Um, kind of ran them both at the same time. Once my Amazon FBA businesses got big enough, um, I wanted to focus my time on in e-commerce. And so I, I sold that business, but, um, yeah, I think I, I, it's easy for me to say that I'm all, oh, yeah, I'm a go-getter, but it's, I think, you know, family and friends all being entrepreneurs definitely helps. As, yeah, as, something, it seems like it was clearly ingrained in you. And like a lot of our students, I mean, you'd be surprised at how much resistance they have towards the idea of failing. Oh, yeah. or you know how much motivation they need just to go and out and just take action it seems like you you already were able to overcome that just from nature just from seeing it around you so and you had, you never bought a course and you were still able to be successful so i think it just goes to show the power of just literally taking the action and what's the worst that can happen i don't know yeah no i think we're always you know we're always worried to spend, but man, even if you buy 10 courses and nine of them suck, I mean, that one that works is so worth all the money you'd spend, you know? And so, yeah, I think courses and I think, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are you know, on the same mission as you, uh, yeah. I still need to do that a little bit more. Um, but it's, it's funny because all my, I've actually helped two different friends start, um, some e-commerce businesses, um, which I've been able to see them kind of grow and, and uh, brings them financial independence. I mean, since I was a kid, the only thing I wanted, man, was just, you know, financial freedom. You know, I did not want to, I just wanted to be able to support my family, not worry about, you know, the next paycheck and always be on the move. That being said, I think that I, you know, like others, well, I think I have uh, that shiny object syndrome because you can just hear my story. It's like, man, I've been, I've been in it all. And I know you two, you guys have had all different kinds of sites too. It's, I, there's good and bad from that. And I think it's natural though, for an entrepreneur. I mean, we're always going to want to do other things. You, you got to be new. You got to stay refreshed. Well, you know, let me, keep... let me ask you this. How old are you? 28. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. I thought you were going to say like 30 or something just cause you, <laughs> I mean, where did you find the time to do all these different things? I mean, it seems like a lot of things. I guess you said since yeah. you were a kid, you wanted that including myself, uh, don't realize that, that's something that they want until they have a job and they they wake up one day and it's like, Oh, this, this mm -hmm. sucks. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of people get that realization yeah, in their career, in their corporate job or whatever. And they get kind of exhausted. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, yeah, yeah I guess. Well, how old were you when you started doing like the first business? Well, that's the well, best thing. My, my first business ever, I was 14 and I, I started the lawn mowing business and then we expanded when I was uh, 15 and we did window washing. So I was doing window washing and lawn mowing, had my own business. So pretty young. Mm -hmm. How old you FBA though? FBA? FBA not till, cause then I did pest control. I mean, I was 17 and 18 when I did 
uh, Amazon's seller fulfilled. It was, I think FBA may have been out then. I don't remember that when FBA started, but we were just shipping our own stuff. But Amazon FBA, my first real FBA business was until I was probably 22, 21. I mean, but you, yeah, so you've really been in this, even doing seller fulfillment, your own fulfillment on Amazon. That was over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're young, but it's still, it took a while to get, you know, from doing that to getting to this point, but you know, so you had the experience of being able to do the FBA stuff. Uh, you say you still have that. Yeah. Is there a reason that you are catering more to the drop shipping side now? Well, um, I feel like it's a lot. Well, once, once an Amazon FBA, hmm. I think starting a drop shipping company is a lot easier and a lot, there's a clearer path to success. Uh, not a lot of cat. I mean, developing your own product, man, you end up just copying people and there's so much extra work that comes with making your own product and, um, so much extra time and everything and handling all that. It's so nice to have, you know, work when you're drop shipping it, you're not responsible for the product, how good it is and how returns and a lot of that, you know, if you're using the right suppliers, they handle a lot of that, which is amazing. So, um, but yeah, I, I think drop shipping is, I like it because you're not happy. Well, first off for, I'm huge into having good cash flow in a business and you can't beat it. I mean, you are holding money till it ships. I, you know, Amazon FBA business, it's harder to pull money off the top. And I, I've pulled money out of the business. It's just one, I guess, little thing about FBA businesses is physical products. When you're manufacturing and selling your own, excuse me, your own physical products, it's really hard to take a lot of money off the table where drop shipping, um, you can take that profit kind of when you want, you're always floating a lot of money. Um, it gives you, I'm just way more relaxed, you know, and I'm a really big proponent on paying yourself first. Um, you always want to grow your business, especially when it's easy. I have that opinion now I've been doing it for 10 years, you know, so I guess it's different if you're just starting out, but I've seen other entrepreneurs that go so long with just always never taking any profit. And eventually, you know, your business just eats that up, you know, businesses like to spend money. So it's important to pay yourself and I like to pay myself first. And so drop shipping makes that super doable. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people get into without the mindset that they're going to make like, like obviously like when we do it and that we want to do it is to make money. But if you watch like shark tank, what you see is you see a lot of people. I'm so passionate about this in my life. Like this is my child. I have to make this work. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas we we tell people never go after your passions because then, yeah, I think when you're in it strictly for the money, you're not going to lose to your business because beating the whole, the whole point of it. Whereas if you have this big grandiose vision of you want, and then I, I think that's when. Yeah. When you're too attached to like the, the product itself, that the product is meaningless. It's all about, I mean, for us, at least that the financials of the situation, because if the, the financials don't work out, then, you know, it could be the greatest product in the world. You can care about it more than your own kid, but it's going to suck you dry. It's going to ruin your life. Oh yeah. No, I'm glad you guys said that because a lot, no one wants to say that. I've kind of said things like that, but I don't want to say, Oh, don't follow your passion. But I think it needs to be said that. Yeah. I mean, everyone, it's funny because everyone's like, are you passionate about it? And I want to, I want a business that I just want to wake up and I'm just love to death. And 
you know? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. People have the wrong idea about it because yeah. you know, when you're doing drop shipping and you wake up and you got a $5,000 sale and you know you're gonna make a lot of money on that, yeah, you're waking up and you're happy about it. Totally. So I think like, the most special part, even if, even like those Shark Tank people that like make their own product, they spend three years designing it and whatever, it's not like they're in love with that product. Yeah, maybe it's a useful product, but they love that it's theirs, you know? And if you treat your drop shipping store, it's yours. You built it, you know, and had that kind of same mentality, I think. Um, yeah, cause man, those it's so, and that, those are the sad, well, you, we hear the small success stories, right? The ones that make it to Shark Tank, they get a deal or they, you know, they, man, but there's a hundred out of that one there, you know, there's 99 more that they just died. And because they're, they were too passionate about the product. They didn't want to, you know, look at it from a, a responsible, fiscal responsible point of view. And so yeah, that's a really good point because yeah, I, you know, once you start making money, you know, it's a tool like these drop shipping sites, these assets, I mean, it's not like, I mean, you look at people, it's like I buy a rental and you're making rental income. It's not like you love that house to death. You know what you love? You love that, cash flow you're getting from that rental that's what you love that allows you to buy this and live your life and so yeah that's that's an interesting uh, i definitely agree with you guys there it's uh mm-hmm. yeah businesses uh, you have to have a good mental state on your businesses i mean we have businesses to pay us to make money so that we can live the lives that we want to live i'd like to talk about like the the floating aspect of like the drop shipping uh income which is actually something we don't really talk about a lot on our show, but it is true that like when you have orders coming in all the time, especially once you get into, you know, doing like the six figures and revenue a month, it's like orders are coming in, you know, orders are coming in that goes into your bank account and then things are shipping. And so, yeah, it's like kind of this rolling thing that's happening. And so it's really easy uh, to just, you know, kind of skim off the top of that and do what you need to do with it. And, um, you know, our, our friend Raz, who also does drop shipping has talked about this, how like, that does really give you a lot of peace of mind because if something goes bad in, you know, your, your regular life, it's like, it's almost like an advance that you can kind of make from your own bank account, from your own business. And yeah, like the money will keep floating and you can get away with um, taking that off the top for a, a while. Not that we recommend doing that, you know, all the time or stuff like that, but it, it, it is definitely a good insurance policy on your own life. Yeah. In a business you always want to have, and that's so rare though. I've been in so many different businesses and you are always just, well, I mean, even your physical product business, FBA business, it's like, all right, you got some money. Okay. Well, now you got to put in a bigger order and then a bigger order and it just sucks your cash. But And then Amazon doesn't even pay you until 30 days afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. I'm putting together a new uh, class. It's going to free class. And one of the that I talk about, which I very, very important is that when you have an inventory based business like Amazon BA, and you have to make that big replacement order. So you got 5,000 units and then you got to get 10,000 units. That cost of inventory is not tax deductible. But then if you have a, a business that's based around advertising, like drop shipping, like you're never buying that in where you're having a, a tax deductible expense advertising as your main thing that you need to reinvest. I think that's another big aspect that most, people, that most people over. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because the inventory from dropshipping, although you have to pay for it, it's not really the same because you're only paying for it once you've already gotten the profit out of it. So, yeah, that can definitely um, definitely strap you down. So, uh, 2017, 2016, your your friend James hits you up. He says, "Hey, I'm going to buy this uh, dropshipping store. Are you in? Are you out? How did that go?" 
when it came to that acquisition? So at first I wasn't quite on board on that. Um, like I didn't really take, take to, I've okay. So drop shipping to me was, I don't know if you're expecting that answer, but I originally was not on board because drop shipping was like, okay, you get an Oberlo or whatever those, you know, throw up Alibaba stuff on your website and, you know, try to get, you know, that's what I, that's what drop shipping was. I had no idea about high ticket drop shipping. And so, um, yeah, once I started to learn about the high ticket drop shipping and what, what the site was, obviously I got way more excited. Um, but yeah, cause that, cause drop shipping before, I mean, for geez, until I found your guys' site, it was, you know, I didn't want to touch it. I thought it was just a bunch of people just trying to make a buck here and there, but like doing it in a very competitive way where in selling crappy products, you know, $20 Alibaba stuff and whatnot. So yeah, we spend a lot of our time on the show uh, talking about how bad of an idea that is because we, <clears throat> we have a lot of interviews actually with people who were doing that stuff and then came to us and were able to kind of turn their business around or, you know, get their expenses back because all of them have lost money doing it. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into that too much here because we've talked about it so much, but yeah. So obviously it, it is a very terrible business model, but so was the business already acquired before you got in on it or did you partially? Oh, no, I, well, I, I owned 20% of, what was that? The 18, I owned a small percentage of it. So, and I ended up just doing it just because we had a, an entity that it was our, so my partner had more ownership of the Amazon affiliate stuff because he had been doing that before me and our, our structure was kind of weird. So we ended up putting that business, your guys's business, that website acquisition. So to be fully apparently yeah, like, you know, it wasn't even me that was like getting this acquisition done. It was my partner. And, um, he, so he did the whole thing. It was in that entity, which he owned the majority share. So I barely owned, um, I owned a small percentage of the site. Now time went on. And because I didn't own anything, really, uh, such a small percentage, I wasn't a part of it. Very, just the financial side, just helping them do the books, doing the numbers, but I wasn't in the day-to-day -day order fulfillment or really anything like that. Obviously it piqued my interest because of what the site was selling and stuff. Um, my partner, we hired a, a U.S. citizen like to come into our office to work on it. And so that kind of got expensive and, uh, so my partner was like, you know, I don't really like he, we ended up, that guy ended up quitting. And so all the order fulfillment and everything fell into my partner. But even if you do it yourself, it's like not that big of a deal, but he just didn't want to deal with it. And so at this point, um, I started doing a little bit more research and it was opening up and I don't really remember why, but I, maybe I was just kind of a shark in the waters. I saw that he didn't want to deal with this. And I was like, Hey, I'll take this off your hands. Let me buy the entire thing. So I purchased the entire site from him, um, which was your guys's site. Um, and yeah, I, what I decided to do was all my other businesses were pretty Amazon FBA, all that kind of stuff. You can work on it, whatever I had virtual assistants, which my partner did not like, oh, we'll see if he listens to this, but he doesn't really like virtual assistants. I think that's I love virtual assistants. I love people in the Philippines that work so hard and you pay them 
they are so happy with the payment you give them and you do not have to deal with the tax payroll taxes and every, you know, the high employment here, which you guys all know about. Anyway, so I just got a virtual assistant that started with the business and basically she did everything. I just wanted one thing and that was to get the, get the calls. Cause I'm, I'm into salesman by trade. And so, um, I took this sales calls, this particular website, um, had, uh, I think my daughter might be coming, but this particular website had very high ticket items. And so I was like, man, you know, I, for these particular products, I'm going to have the VA transfer them to me. And that's how it started out. I started do, taking a little bit of the phone calls and we grew, I grew that business that first year so much and, you know, sold it for four times what I've purchased it for. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then I, but yeah, I, then I got addicted. And then as you guys know, well, I don't know if you guys want me to talk about it, but yeah, I sold that business and reached out. Actually, before I sold that business, I reached out to you guys and I bought another site from you. So yes, I don't even remember how we first wound up like crossing, pa crossing paths because yeah, like you weren't even involved in the original transition yeah. of the website. And I asked James for your info and I just reached out. About what? I just reached out to you guys. Oh, it was, it was because I needed, I needed like a pixel because he wasn't doing any of the, any Facebook stuff. I mean, uh, he year and he didn't even have the Facebook pixel and stuff. There was a couple things like that. He just didn't, wasn't doing. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah. And so I just reached out to you guys and then we, we started talking and then I, you know, convinced you guys to sell me another site. Which is <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, it's crazy to hear you talk about how you sold that site for 400,000. Um, and like, it doesn't bother me in any way, but it's, it's just, I, it's, you, your students need to look at me. Cause obviously I can run the site better than you guys. But like, you know, that, that was kind of our first foray into doing all of this. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe that was less than like two years total of us doing drop shipping. We were able to have that site built. It wasn't the first one we, we made, but, um, you know, we had it up for a year and a half and it was like, we wanted to sell it just to like, at least that's how I felt to confirm that you can do such yeah. a thing. Yeah. Cause it felt like such a hurdle to get over. Interesting, uh, point of context is that you, by the, when we sold you the site, you had already been doing your own businesses for so much longer, uh, than us. So you probably had a better, I guess, like frame of buying and selling yeah. things and doing all that and like hiring people. At that time, we really had no idea. We just, you know, we were getting savvy with Google ads and a bunch of internet marketing type stuff. As far as business goes, pretty clueless. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, I, you know, I joke, but to, you know, the, you know, I, the reality is this, I mean, these sites, I mean, the site that you guys built was just growing. It's not like I did that much to it. You know, it took a little bit of effort, but like I kept pretty much the majority of stuff that you guys had in there. And just over time, it just grew, you know, and the demand came up, more people wanted these products. And, you know, and that's that, you know, one of the main reasons I sold is because due to the coronavirus, these certain products, like a lot of stores, I mean, everyone's seeing it now in the weirdest industries, but there was a huge demand for them. And all my suppliers were sold out for months and months. And I was just like, you know what, let's get an exit out of this one. Um, and so that's, that's why we did it. But, but yeah, no, you guys yeah, built a great site and that site just kept growing, you know, just kept growing. And you guys had a good exit, you, you know, it's hard to, you know, cause my, even my partner, he's like made him feel, you know, he probably feels whatever he has so much going on and everything too, but it's like, he probably feels stupid. Like, wow, I could have just, what? 
like you sold it for how much, you know, and, uh, with very little work. And so, um, but yeah, I think it's counterproductive too, because we can all look back and just see, Oh man, if I just held on to it, but you guys had other sites and other things going on and yeah, it's just crazy, but it's interesting. I, yeah, we, you guys should probably do the, the knowing when to sell and knowing when not to sell is such a crazy thing and it's different for everyone. It's so, it's just, I can't even wrap my head around it. I spend way too many hours thinking about it every time I sell. And, you know, I've realized as I was telling my backstory that I've like sold so many and bought so many, but in the moment I feel like I also keep so many because you always want something producing money. You don't want to just have exits, right? Cause there's only so much you can do with that cash, you know, that's just sitting there if you're not investing it properly. So, but anyways, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. that. I mean, I don't really look back on it and regret it because I felt like that was a, a crucial moment for us yeah, to be yeah. able to get, you know, that much money in, in one day is just something that we, you know, we had never experienced before. And like at that point in time, we, yeah, we really had no idea like about hiring and all of our processes were really bad. So like that, that store was becoming overwhelming for us. Yeah. And uh, that yeah, allowed yeah. us to get that lump sum of cash and uh, like apply everything that we had learned from that point to our other stores. So, yeah. you know, it was nothing but a good thing, even though, you know, I know that we sold it as it was like going up, but it is also interesting to see how, you know, a few years later, it was just still growing. People talk about is drop shipping dead. Is it saturated? Is there too much competition? Like you literally took a store and you let it sit there for a couple of years and it quadrupled its growth. So interesting. You said that, uh, once the, uh, the new normal hit that the, uh, there was a huge spike in demand. I, Cause it's, I, it's interesting to think about year over year, how stuff changes. Cause right now we're in a situation where one of our, we think it's doing well, doing way better than we expected doing better than last year, but still think it's severely held back by the current situation. So it's interesting to, to like day over day, like you don't feel these things, but it's interesting over a year how that demand can change. Yeah. You know, like certain products, you know, which is interesting too, which makes you think about holding certain sites because, you know, a lot of these industries that we're in um, are products that, you know, have demand, but not enough and, or there's difficulties to be in big retail stores. Right. And so there's opportunities for us there and those industries are just growing, you know, and uh, yeah, year over year, they just continue to grow. And uh, yeah, it's good. Let's have a few sites. Mm -hmm. So were you putting in any uh, like conscious effort to increase the ad spend in the store over time? Well, here's the thing, man. We, uh, that was the first thing I wanted to do. And I, I had no idea. So, okay. My partner barely touched the ads that you guys set up barely touched them because it worked right. Your ad system. It's great. You know that I talk to Mike all the time about his ads, try to get info from him. Um, and that carried the first year when I bought it fully. And I wasn't really involved with the ads. I checked the ads about once a month. We did our big business overview, but I never really paid attention to for the first few months. Now, when I, when I bought it a hundred percent myself, when I owned it a hundred percent, um, the, I didn't touch the ads for a while. I was scared to like mess something up, right. That you had. Cause I, and I didn't know, and I didn't know that you guys had build assets online. I didn't know there was these communities because AdWords, man is so 
I've run ad campaigns on so many businesses, but in, in entirely different ways. And there's with drop shipping, there's, there's a method to the mat, you know, there's a method. And I had no idea what that was. And I ended up wanting to grow the site and we were doing well. And I, it was a few months in that I hired my guy that I've always used for ads. And I was like, this is working well. I just want to grow it. He started messing with things and like recreating his own campaigns. And it, it, we took a, a significant hit for about a month. Um, then we tried, you know, uh, smart campaigns and whatnot. And we were able to finally get it back up and running uh, smooth. Like, and obviously we got it back up running very well, fortunately, but it took, we took a few months hit. I wish would have, wouldn't have changed your, uh, Cause that to be honest, it was just me answering the phones. I'm just a really good sales, I, whatever. I don't know what it is, but on the phone, when someone's trying to purchase a big thing, you know, I'm just very like, I don't know, I'm not pressured because a lot of these suppliers, man, that I was, I take a phone call for certain brands. They, the customer could actually buy the product from the supplier. And, and, but those people that they talked to were so pressure, pressuring them to buy that it was just over and over again. I'd hear like, they're just relaxing in their voice. Like, you know, I'm not pressuring them to buy, but very much every sentence I'm trying to get them to buy. And uh, so that helps sales and uh, helped us counteract the, the the hit in the ads that we took, but we got the ads back. We got the ads back and then uh, demand kind of flooded in. So it wasn't even that me being that awesome. I wasn't awesome at all. It was just the demand just came in so many more people wanted these products and we just captured more and more of that traffic. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to know that you being a person that's buying and selling all these businesses, like it seems like you're pretty high up in the organizational chart, yet you're still choosing to answer the phones and, and do sales. Yeah. It was just for this business, you know, it was just for this one. Okay. And honestly, I'm seeing this similar growth with the other site and I didn't, I don't, I don't know if there, I could pinpoint if that really helped. I feel like it did. Right. And that's why I kept doing it. Cause it was exhausting answering some of these calls, but yeah, cause that's not what I want to do, you know? And I don't think that's what anyone wants to do, but if you want to make money and you're like, just, if you only have one or two sites and you're, you're twiddling your thumbs all day, that's an easy way to get tons more sales. I think, cause no one's going to be as good of a salesman as you are. You know, the products, you know, you know, it. it's just, it's easy. So you're, you're hundred percent right about that. And I've, been in that frame of mind too, is like, if someone wants this to be their job, honestly, it's a great gig. Like you just answer the phone whenever it's a, a sales call, you make the sale and you know, you can, you can live very comfortably doing that. Um, well, for a, me, it's a great transition as well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Then you do that and then okay. eventually you. Yeah. I think my mindset was, I was really answering the calls just to get these numbers up. Well, okay. So man, it's the mentality month to month i'm trying to re kind of retrace and when those ads were messed up i was like oh no like if i have a, a mouth that a month that's down for the previous year it like gets to me and like yeah i was like oh, i gotta i'm just gonna get some more sales by answering some of these phones because these virtual assistants you pay four to eight bucks an hour you know, they, they, come on, they're not going to be able to sell. I mean, they're good at what they do, but no, no, I think you can hire good salesmen and I think that you can use those call services and whatnot. But anyways, that was my mentality. And I think that I just started answering the calls to build up the business to sell, if that makes sense. I think yeah, that's what no, I 100% makes sense. Just like um, maximize the profit, get these numbers up um, to sell.
Now on the flip side, a smart, per, you know, I, I was fully disclosed when I sold the business, I told them, Hey, I was answering a lot of the calls, you know, and mm-hmm. for some buyers that that'll face them. Cause like they can't replicate that or they need to hire someone to replicate that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but yeah, for making extra money, man, of course, just answer the phones and mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you have, if you have products you can make a thousand to 2,500 bucks on in profit. Oh yeah. And that was the thing though, too. It's like if every phone call could be, I mean, these products that we were selling on the site, I mean, we're talking one to $2,500 in profit. So it's like, this could be a $2,000 phone call that gets you motivated. Now, vice versa, if you're selling, you know, I don't know how it'd be with more volume with lower products, but that was one of the things for me. Yeah. To me, it would just get to me like, that I'd have to take calls and people would just waste my time or oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you have to deal with that. But you know, at one point I did do all the sales for all the stores and um, you know, we've been lucky enough now to just come up with different solutions, whether it's partnerships or, you know, I do have some really good salespeople um, like on a store that i never thought I would be able to outsource. And yeah, like being able to let go of that and see the numbers, still be able to increase is like the best feeling because now you can just focus on driving more traffic and just helping get more leads in the door and just looking at it from a, you know, a a broader point of view, right? More traffic equals Mm -hmm. more phone calls, more inquiries equals more draft orders sent, more invoices sent equals more sales. And like, you're kind of just, um, yeah, no, what you mean? Cause I, yeah, uh, another site, that I have drop shipping. It's, I don't answer the phones at all. And the sales go up and that's the best. That's where you want to be. You know, yeah. anything that takes your, your time, especially like you can't, you just have to be ready to get those phone calls. It's, it can be a lot, but for the people that want to make more money that are like just starting out. Absolutely, man. I think that's a great way for them to mm-hmm. make more profit. Yeah. Cause I know that was one of your guys's things right at the beginning was, a bit, you guys want it. You push people. I mean, on the site, it pushed people to call, you know, and depending on your products, that site had products that, man, it was daunting for the customers to just pay, you know, three to always going to be easier than just someone coming in and checking out on your site. So you need to make the decision that like, are, are you willing to put in the extra energy and the extra time to get these sales done? Are you willing to grind it out like that? Some people have jobs and they can't afford to do that because they don't, they can't answer the phones all the time. And so. And it's still good. What's that? Yeah. They'll still make uh, You're and you're right. They'll still make, but even if you don't do that, people still buy still profitable. Yeah. But I'm, I was definitely. And it sounds like that you guys have done a few different things, partnerships, hiring, just an employee to answer the phones. There's so many ways to, to do it. Yeah. I mean, one of our stores now has like a, uh, team of like 12 people or something. And, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of that is, is phone stuff, but yeah, I mean, so there's, there's ways to do it. And I think there's, you know, if you can find fluent people overseas, then that's like the biggest win-win because yeah, like, you know, overseas people or people in the Philippines, like they're happy with the wages that we give them. But if you can stack, you know, some, some even little commissions off of selling these expensive products and it's, it is really good and that they'll be really motivated to sell. Um, but yeah, I mean, hiring is a hundred percent the hardest part of all of this. Like if we were able to just magically snap our fingers and get a good team in place and do all this stuff, we would have never needed to to sell our sites. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the main reasons I sold 
my birth control company, or it was a driving factor was we didn't want to hire someone, a secretary. We were getting 10 to 15 calls a day. We did not have enough work for a secretary. It was all automated. Our software was awesome. Our technicians didn't, everything was, and we just, so me and my partner were taking the phone calls, angry customers, and it just wore on us. Yeah. And this was like before it was even like a thing. I know people were doing it, but it wasn't as well known to hire. I'm like, I could have hired a virtual person for $4 an hour to answer my phones. That would have solved this problem that drove was one of the small factors that drove us to selling it. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to have, I don't want another customer to call me angry. There's a spider in the house. I'm done. You know, and it's like those little things all pile up and then you sell a business, you know, then you look back, it's like, should I have sold that? Was that a good decision? But it was yeah, I mean, you know. the same thing. Even like, even when you're just doing the sales calls, I think if you're still inside the business and like, you know, working with the VA who's doing, the non-sale stuff, then they're going to go to you when something bad happens. You're, you're going to like see the email where someone's really pissed and it's your business. So it's like, you're, you know, you're taking in all that still. Call so, the BBB. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, the BBB. <laughs> Tell the BBB. The BBB is the least of my concerns, but um, yeah, like for me, even just seeing that stuff would still weigh on me. And I don't oh, know. Yeah to separate it when I was still like doing sales because I would be looking at the emails and, and all that. So that's why um, I think it's been really helpful just to not be able to have the email on my phone or have my phone go off, you know, for calls. And it just, I think, gives you way more peace of mind because like you can go crazy just running these stores, I think, uh, once it gets to a certain volume. Absolutely. Like with the, the store that you bought, um, this new one, do you, how involved are you in it? I don't answer. Uh, you know, I hired an awesome VA and I'm very, I'm not, I'm only involved when there's, you know, some problems really. I don't take any phone calls. Um, and I don't, uh, yeah, a lot less involved, a lot less involved and it's growing. You know, it's, I have, um, just been able to hire. I've been fortunate. I've been able to hire pretty good people. And that's the key. Like you're saying, it's about hiring good people. You gotta be, and you gotta be willing to let the ones go. I hate, I really don't like firing people. I don't like letting them go, but you yeah. really do. It makes, it just makes life so much better when you do that, you know, and you just hire someone that's better. And yeah, I, well, it's cause it's hard to know. It's like, Hey, am I giving her all the, or him all the tools to succeed, you know, or does this person just like, you know, but yeah, man, once you yeah, hiring the right person, and it just takes time to take, I think, but yeah. once you hire that right person, you can get like, man, if I right now have a, a VA on this site, she just takes everything. She just handles it all, you know, um, like the entirety of, of it, you know? And, uh, I fully think that if I just left and didn't even talk to her for a full week, everything would just go on as normal, you know, which is a good yeah, deal. That's a dream. That's a dream. And if you can replicate that, scale that, you know, 10, 20 stores or whatever, I mean, that's the dream right there. Yeah. The 10, 20 stores 10, 20. is like, okay. I mean, I'm going to make here. That's, that's, that's insane, but it's doable. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it just depends on like the scale of those stores, but you need a lot of credit limit. You know, like how much are you involved in terms of the finances and those little things? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty heavily involved, you know. 
Like yeah, I, I that like so like I have I have an employee. I mean, I have a bookkeeper, right? And I have an employee that that uh, tracks all the orders and I call the profits and everything. But I, um, oh, so yeah, I have, but I kind of you know oversee everything. And is that sure. like separate jobs for you, the bookkeeper and the profit tracker? Yes, but well, the book. It depends. Well, because I have so many things going on. My bookkeeper is they reconcile everything, but the um, so I, I kind of overlaps. You know, maybe there's a more efficient way now that I'm thinking about it. But um, I the bookkeeper and the employee kind of overlap. Like the bookkeeper will double check the employee's work, right? Uh, making sure that all it all the money checks out. You know, because I mean. Well, I was just talking to you, my, I, you know, next thing you know, the supplier says they're refunding you and they're not. And, you know, you just got to be, yeah, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I'm going through it right now. I uh, stay friends with them and definitely we'll see. Right. But for the most part, yeah, just, well, I'm, you, you know, cause you, I bought the three you, you know, who I'm dealing with. you know, who I'm dealing with. So yeah, it's like, I mean, like, like in a normal circumstance, you know, making sure that, if a supplier is going to refund you, that somehow yeah. goes from, you know, the email saying that you're going to be refunded goes to the profit person. Yes. And also is that person. Yeah. So that, that employee monitors any type of refunds or anything. So keeps it in a separate sheet and the follow-up tasks on our, we have a software, so she'll be reminded to follow up on that and to check. And I um, will send her, she has access to, the, I send, well, so what I do is I, I send her the credit card statements. So it's not like we can check it because she doesn't have access to like, you know, I'm still not there to give her access to like my credit card accounts, you know, but I do send her the statements and everything. And then obviously my uh, bookkeeper has access to everything as well. So, um, are they but, or are they, US? Well, my bookkeeper is us, but my, all my other employees are overseas. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting because we we've been struggling with that with like putting someone into keep track of profits, but like, well, you, you know, know what's interesting? Yeah, I you know I still like when you first said who does the finances, I like kind of just say oh myself because you're still yeah we need to figure out a way to to find someone that can you kind of have to understand drop shipping, man. I don't know exactly. This, you really have to understand dropshipping and the relationship with these suppliers and things like that, because sometimes a supplier will be like, okay, well, we owe you, you know, four grand, but we'll roll that into this order. All exactly. right. That's fine. That needs to be documented pretty well, or, you know, you'll never know. I mean, when you're, when you have multiple stores and you have credit cards and charges and stuff, it can get pretty crazy, but nothing too scary. Yeah. That's why I kind of like, and the profit tracking for a store, two slightly separate things. What we like, what we like to do is, I guess we like every so often we'll do like a big check, like oh that this supplier this much in sales, so we'll get like six months of from the credit card that refunds and purchase, and then we'll see like if anything you know, totally out of whack, big, yeah, big overall, yeah, yeah, just simple like inverse out stuff. Yeah, you're gonna have to have a couple. You're gonna have to check some balances because he because like the bookkeeper. Cause my bookkeeper oversees all my businesses, all, all the entities that flow into one. Um, I have most of them that flow into one, you know? And so they organize all that, but then they're also double checking the stores, but they can only check so much. Right. Cause like those little things that we're talking about, like our bookkeeper's not going to know that, uh, that we're supposed to get refunded because this order canceled, 
and or you're gonna have to get like a bookkeeper that's literally just yeah maybe that's what we need i don't know well i think you know more in the when you said 10 or 20 store uh i kind of have like that's just me going hey yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) no but i kind of have the opposite uh, feeling where going forward i want as simple as possible and that's why we're because it's very straightforward very you know very few transactions it's just so clean. I remember I used to work for the, the food and I was working at a place that made prepackaged meals. Uh, some, some guy came in, basically all this guy's business was, was he bulk. And I remember just some of a few of them were talking and talk kind of jealous of the blueberry guy. Cause it was just like, all he had to do was just ship out these blueberries. And everyone's like, man, that's gotta be a great business. Like just shipping the blueberries. We got like 20 different suppliers, stuff is coming in from all directions. We got to deal with t- 10 different regulatory agencies, food safety coming in, doing all these checks. But then they, they, then this guy's just shipping out the blueberries. So that's always kind of been my my vision of what I want, like, what I want life to be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, people are always like, we get this a lot from our students, is like they're trying to automate, you know, so much of this business, but it's just so much of it can't be automated because there's so many human elements to it and so many different systems you have to plug into as a drop shipper. You're in the middle of all these different suppliers who have their own system. They have their own employees. Some of them are stuck in 1980. Some of them are good. They're in 2020 and you have to somehow reconcile with all that. And then you want to hire a bookkeeper to keep track of like who issued a refund here. Like how do they even go about dealing with giving you refunds. Like some people just, you know, we, a, a supplier on the store that we sold to you, the second one, you get, you place an order with them. They send you back a scanned invoice that they wrote in paper. Yeah. So it's like, what do you, how do you deal with? They don't email me an invoice, fax it over. Uh, we're out. Yeah. 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 I don't want to say you can't deal with it, but it just, it just requires at some level to get it. It requires people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I think, when I think of that, I'm like, well, I just thought, you know, I'm buying a, I'm buying a rental house right now. And I sit down with, um, I have a, yeah, a financial scorecard, you know, looks at where all my money's at and what's going on. And e-commerce makes me so much more money. And I'm just thinking like, why am I, I'm worried about inflation. I am concerned about uh, the valuation of the dollar. I want to get a little bit more property, whatever, right? It's a hedge. It's a place to put some money. And I'm just thinking like, man, what am I like, um, what am I good at? And like, where are we making most money? It's in e-commerce. And so when I say 10 to 20 sites, it's like, man, if you can get a couple of these sites operating, I mean, yeah, imagine though you have like an office and you know, each guy, you know, you hire a guy like yourself that each runs three or four stores and kind of building this something. It's something I've thought about, but, but it honestly, yeah, it's, I don't know. Cause things, I mean, it's drop shipping is one of those world. I don't know if it says on this, this, but well, you guys are, yeah, you guys are about build assets online. So you're not diehard drop shippers, but like one thing about drop shipping too, is it changes. Well, just like a SEO or anything else, it changes. It's not like and I think that's one of the things that I still, why I still do Amazon FBA is like, if it's your product, you'll have it like, you know, forever in drop shipping. But in the case of what if your suppliers, that goes out of business or something, you just get another supplier. So it's like, whatever, you know, there's pros and cons to everything, but um, yeah, no, yeah. I get what you're saying though, Joe, because he is king and 
but the grass is always greener too. You know, that blueberry guy, what if, you know, freaking the next season he gets hit with freaking locusts, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in trouble, not to say that, but it's just, it's interesting. Cause, but we shouldn't say that. I, I, you know, when people always say, Oh, you always think the grass is greener. I mean, it kind of is in the sense that we always need to be striving to get the life that we want. If you just want, you know, some people would really seriously want 10 stores that each do a million. It's more work, more headache. And then there's most people that just want one store that does 10 million, you know, and Hey, I don't like this uh, payments account on hold or shut down dude. or Google ads can come and say, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like this merchant center account. Yeah. Well, interesting enough with that, I, you guys know, I, I, so I bought this site and I'm like, man, drop shipping's awesome. I'm going to try to start my own. And it did not go well. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and, and I didn't like you put that much time and effort. I thought, Oh, I could just like build it like, you know, a little on the side and I didn't pay too much attention to it. Next thing you know, I started to ramp it up, got some sales and, um, but because I wasn't paying attention to it, I like put up products that were like all out of stock and, yeah, they wanted to, you know, Shopify's like, screw you, we're done with you. And it's like, oh, just like refund the customers. I didn't do anything bad. They treat you like a criminal sometimes. And then so I got on another payment processor. And, you know, this is during the time of the pandemic where suppliers don't have stuff. And it's like you sell something and that customer is going to wait four months, but you don't ship it for four months. And it was a new payment processor. I've never been through this before. I've had payment processors for 10 plus years and they had $30,000 on my, on my, uh, that they owed me and they just suspended me. And fortunately I have float from my other sites and I have cash now, but I'm imagine being a brand new business, man. And you have like substantial amount of money that's just withholding for four months because they can do that. You know, it's yeah. so fortunately, I didn't even have to dip into any of my personal cash. We had so much float with, with the dropshipping, so much cash in the dropshipping business that it was fine, you know? And so, yeah, you know, the, the pandemic has definitely made things more challenging on the payment processor side because of, like you said, as, as, a, new, as a new store, yeah, as a new or, store, but I still think at the end of the day. I still think dropshipping is the best business to start because we can compare it to everything out there. You can compare it to a brick and mortar location. I mean, we don't even have to get into that. We can compare it to Amazon FBA. Like I know you like to keep your FBA businesses in there. They're good businesses. I wouldn't mind having a couple in a portfolio, but you know, you're dealing with getting things, something shipped from another country. You're dealing with Amazon who can is known to ban and suspend accounts and miss. I have been- that did happen. Something like that. Say that again. Sorry. I have been supported on Amazon because of uh, we we started a whole separate business and we just um, made a different business, made another account, and they just because you can only have one account. This was like six years ago. They suspended the other account and the new one, and then they suspended the other one, and no um, appeal process. And they withheld our money forever and it was a nightmare and we were out for months and what did you have in stock with them at that point? I don't know, probably about 40,000, 30, 40,000. And then they were holding, you know, I don't know, tens of thousands and that they owed us and they held that for like, you know, 90 days or whatever, but then it ended up being even more. And, 
you know, it is what it is, but that's business. You know, I, one of the sucky things with Amazon FBA drop shipping, we experience this, but not our sales just go down. We don't lose a ton of money. And that's the key thing. I think I yeah. am with it. drop shipping is the best for profitability. It's not like it's easy, but it's definitely easier and it's less risky because right now, one of my, my best performing Amazon FBA businesses, we have a shipment that's been stuck in LA port. There was a coronavirus breakout. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Their whole system's messed up there. And it's even FedEx. I paid extra to have like a U.S. carrier at freight forward to get this. And my packages are still there. And I, I've been out of stock for a month yeah. during the best time. And it's just like, oh, it's brutal. Now our suppliers are experiencing this as well, but like in the end, we can like just refund our customer or whatever. I, I have costs, I have everything. And so, yeah, it's Amazon FBA definitely and your own physical products. Definitely. Yeah. You're, you're more exposed for sure. Drop shipping obviously is not no risk, but I, I still think compared to any other business you online in person, maybe besides the blueberry thing, it's the <laughs> blueberry <was> guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dude, Joe's gonna be selling blueberries. <laughs> I can see he's gonna leave Mike. He's gonna leave yeah. Bill Atlas. He's gonna sell blueberries. <laughs> the risk first reward is just so astronomical. Cause yeah, the worst thing that happens is you refund everybody, you're at zero versus being in the negatives. Yeah. Um, not to say that it can't happen because you know we can get chargebacks and you know that's screwed over, you know, a couple of our students, but that's minor compared to you know, you buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of inventory, it's mm -hmm. held in court you know, they got coronavirus. It's the new normal. They won't, you know, do all this stupid stuff. And now you're Amazon suspending you because of whatever. So you guys want to know the first thing that happened when I bought your guys' site fully. What's that? Ownership. I swear on my life. The first order I got was on the phone. It was the day that I took it over on the phone. This guy was solid, but I had no idea what I was doing. Boom, sold them two items, 6,500 bucks. Shipped it like a week or two later. Boom, charge back. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, look it up, dude. This guy was ordering products to the most, like pretty much Section 8 housing for a very rich products. And I had no idea, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what business did I get into? And then I didn't have like, I had like one charge back for the next 12 months. But imagine that, like first thing into this, business, I got those chargebacks and I'm like, this is the worst. I just got scammed, you know? And it was even over the phone and I was freaking out. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I thought drop shipping was, I was just like, what did I do? And then didn't have any, and it's been the greatest thing. So yeah. Funny yeah. There's always like some hurdle you got to get over. Oh and yeah. Every business, man. Like even the land business that we started doing, like the, the first few transactions that we did were absolute nightmares. And, you know, I was like, kind of pissed off about it, but I, I realized that, you know, once you get over the hump, it's, it's fine, but let's go to uh, some of the chats. We've been going on this pretty long. Yeah. It's been over and out. Yeah. One, one oh. final thing. And Mike, Mike will tell yeah. you this when it comes to Amazon. I mean, we still have our kill accounts. I haven't, I am super paranoid. If someone's got their phone and they have like the Amazon app, like they're not connecting to my Wi-Fi, anything like that. Cause I don't want, if Amazon suspects you have two accounts for any reason. I had my friends visit a few years ago um, from the UK and they have a UK seller's account and they were in my house on my Wi-Fi. And I remember when they left, I got an email at Amazon's like, so like prove to us that you don't have two accounts. <laughs> so I, I was like, what the f you know, so crazy. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's, yeah, let's get to it. You know that we, we have like a Kindle business and we got suspended because there were two of us and we had two accounts. For being yeah, brothers. That, yeah, like not even in the same house. That's, yeah, that's... Somehow, somehow they figured it out and like I started getting emails about his books. Like there was no, there was no crossing swords. Oh, what the worst thing is, is my, I, I forgot, yeah, I, so we got banned. Our new account that we just created, obviously, our main account, which was doing it awesome. And my partners had his own account that he was just selling a little bit of stuff on, got banned too. They just went through and cleaned house and no, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's Amazon's all powerful for sure. And yeah. you have to be very vigilant and there's no forgiveness. They are the kings. They are the overlords. They will. There's no mercy with those guys. Yeah, Negative for, credit points for you, but that's you can make money on there, but you're, you're at risk. You don't really own your own business. Yeah. That's why, you know, it's great. Like it's great to get money from Amazon, but you can't have them being your only source. They can't, they can't be your daddy. Well, did you guys experience those? So my partner had extremely high Amazon associates. He was, he was uh, grandfathered in and he was doing X amount of traffic. So he had higher rates. He's had higher rates even throughout the rate cuts the past two years, but April this year or March, April, you know, boom, he, his, they cut everyone's rates, but even his, his was even higher than regular, but he's exactly where everyone is like that. Imagine going from like a 9% to 3% overnight. It's, it's they can take your business and they can destroy it whenever they want. So that's why, yeah, we, I mean, we're into the content sites, we're into the SEO stuff, but um, we definitely diversify. Like we have some on Amazon, we have some through different uh, advertising networks. We drive some traffic back to our own stores, which is the holy grail of the whole thing. Because now instead of a 9% commission on a $30 product, you get all the commission on, you know, a, a very expensive product. So yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. So as far as, I mean, the Amazon associates, I, after this, we'll get to the chat was kind of the, the popular thing for many, many years. And it still is popular. I mean, it's still, it's still okay. I'm sure there's a money to be made in it. We make, you know, a large, a pretty significant chunk from Amazon associates, but once the, those rate cuts came in April, um, yeah, it's just been, my focus has been more on other, like not, not necessarily like high ticket products, but like products on like ClickBank or selling another type of digital product. I think we might do a K on this channel with what someone we're partnering with running digital products. Cause I think there's a lot of opportunity to like, I'll just give you, I'll, I'll kind of reveal what it is without revealing too much, but like we're going to be selling like products about like a card game, like guides and stuff like that. And it's like a very popular with people do, but I think there's lots of opportunity to like rank for those type types of keyword you're in. Like, you know, these obscure things and then you have a digital product or you have a physical problem and then you ship that stuff. I remember I saw something like Russell Brunson did like a, a click funnels thing. This was back in the day and he was saying how one person sold like just uh target, like gun targets. Like you have your own mm -hmm. targets and you go to the range or whatever. And that amazed me. Like if you just have a site ranks for, you know, maybe like tips on like how to aim and stuff and like, Hey, you know, could buy, buy yeah. some targets, like something. I think yeah. that's, 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 the best thing to do or stuff on click, whatever. Anyway, vertical. So what'd you say, Mike? I said vertical integration. Yeah. There you have it. All right. So let's get into some of the chats. Um, arrow said, finally a man with the hairline. Who? Yes. I do have a hairline. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see these chats? 
Yeah, if you go to, do you have the oh, YouTube yeah. link? There you go. Yeah, look at me, dude. I never use it. Or else, uh, you know, we'll get the feedback. But um, YRN Bunny said, love you guys, man. I have a drop shipping store. Would love if you guys could give me one minute review. Uh, yeah, if you want to send the link in the chat, we'll, we'll check it out. Uh, Focus said, what up, though? I'm trying to do the money dance like Brayden. Hold on. Did you say the advertising cost is tax deductible? Tom said it is a business business expense. Of course, it's deductible. This is all true. I didn't even sure. say I didn't even say for that one. I'm not a CPA. Go ask your accountant about that because I was like, yeah, pretty sure. Like that, you know, you know, it's uh, it's legit. Um, Ron said, is it possible that you guys can do a beard grooming segment? I think we do have a video about that, about <laughs> selling uh, beard trimmers. <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot. Of, there's a lot of beard on this show actually right now. Yeah. Um, what else we got here? What do you do to guard against chargebacks? Do you guys use those services? No. Like, uh, yeah, because I, you know, I don't know. I haven't had to deal with chargebacks. There was a moment there. I think you guys were experiencing it too. There was like a year ago, there was like a lot of, you know, a lot of scamming going on. But for whatever reason, my, so what I do, I'll let you guys respond. My employees know, obviously Shopify does a good job of, you know, double checking, uh, you know, the billing address, the billing addresses don't match um, and the billing and the shipping, you know, you can easily see that and then just do extra verification with them, um, you know, and you, you just kind of know too, cause they'll like a lot of times they'll just, I don't know what you, I found that the scammers like to do it over the phone. Yeah. Cause you can't track the IP. Yeah. And so that's one thing, you know, obviously multiple products and stuff. Um, and if they're too easy, if they're not asking a lot of questions, there's pretty, you know, so the employees know what to keep an eye out for. Um, I never did one of those services that, cause they take a percentage of each sale and it, I was just doing the math of how many chargebacks I've had. Even if you lose every chargeback, it's like, they take so much money. So yeah, and I think they can like decide to not insure something. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Lose if it's a fraud Yeah. versus, or, you know, I don't know. They can, they can be picky and choosy about what they're insuring. So um yeah and just a part of the business at, at a certain point too it's just a part of the business too i mean even your amazon stores amazon gets chargebacks i mean everyone gets chargebacks it's just part of the game for yeah, sure I think um chargeback rate in terms of like total orders then uh shopify will start to get on you about that um but yeah i mean what we do is yeah like different billing and shipping is obviously um a pretty big red flag and like you can usually verify if an order is legit, like just by looking up their email or looking up the address and seeing if there's like some sort of trace on the internet. Um, but even even actually now we use uh, the land software to like look up the addresses and see who owns a property. And that's also really good because if I, if I look up the property, I see you own it. That's you know the person's name. It all matches up. Then it's pretty solid. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're if you have a bit of a concern then just email the person say like i want proof of address and if they give you a hard time screw them cancel it so. yeah i had one guy that actually sent me he must have stolen the wallet because he had the id <laughs> but he yeah. had a very heavy nigerian accent and this guy this the picture of the id was just some like you know the whitest guy ever and i was yeah like, yeah <laughs> Like, all right, you know, you're yeah, like, you need common sense. Like, yo, I, like, I know that's not you. I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
why don't you use software to help automate your accounting? I mean, what that's really the best you could do as far as like, I don't know if you use anything different. You need something like that to reconcile all your bank statements and everything flowing in and out. So I don't know anything else you could do that. Yeah. There's no software that's going to take, that's going to know that, Oh, okay. These orders are a back order. So we have all this cash coming in, but they're going to be fulfilled in a few months. And this supplier, we're rearranging some funds from this order to this order. You know, there's just so much, like we were saying before, a human element to it that it's hard to automate things like that. Yeah, you can automate the bulk of it, but if you want to really be sure on every detail, yeah, there's you're, there's really no software that can do that that I know of. I mean, even like let's just say, I mean, we all have QuickBooks and everything, but even reconciling your your credit card statements with your with Quick QuickBooks, I mean, there's a human element in that too. You just have to you know so that's why you know we got to go to cpas and we can't go to yeah. you know uh, an ai uh booth the reality is, I, is you conduct your suppliers and not care that much and just hope you get the refund too you might lose a little bit of money but uh in the end you'll still be, probably be profitable that's the you know what i mean we're like we've been doing i think all of us have been doing business so long that we want to account for every dollar you know and so that's why we do what we do but i know a lot of people are like you know, they don't reconcile their bank statements and their credit card statements and they just kind of you know money in they you know easily you know on quickbooks make it an easy thing and that's that so yeah well i reconcile it like for tax like for tax purpose that's the main thing like, oh, yeah. that's why you really want to get down to it cuz you know you want to be compliant with the us government you don't, want the, sure. you don't want the feds coming to your door, but they don't, if they ever come to your house, don't open the door. The IRS, apparently they can only send you a letter. Oh, yeah. huh. See, Joe, Joe has already thought this I through. never answer my door to any government agency, so we're good on that. <laughs> what about the Census Bureau? I actually had a lady come by. I opened the door. I didn't. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, what course did you take to learn the FBA game? That's you guys. I've never taken a. Oh yeah, yeah. I've never taken a court. Um, one of the first podcasts. Well, two of them. The main ones are gone now. But like the amazing seller, I don't. I haven't listened to him in years. But the amazing seller podcast. I listened to him. I literally remember listening to his second ever podcast. He has like thousands now. But yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. We we took uh, this this course that you speak of. It's amazing. It, the amazing selling machine. Oh you know, yeah. We never, you oh, okay. Well, it's a good thing. You didn't, you didn't see it. I heard bad things about that. I would, I would concur. Um, so let's see here. Designer home Depot duck. So I'm on the site. First right of all, you're gonna get sued. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, this- oh, I didn't even realize that designer home Depot. Um, That's his- you're going to get sued. Um, is this the site he wants you to look at? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the navigation is non-existent. Uh, uh, is this like a like a like an AliExpress product or something? This looks like a, like uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've seen people trying to sell these products before. It's like these tables that have um, designs on them. They're like epoxy tables, like epoxy designs. Yeah. She says it, he or she says it's a USA supplier, but. I don't think we should spend too much time on this, but I, I think the main thing is, is like this site looks like you're shopping for like clothes. There's like a bag shopping cart. Like you're just re Shopify theme or something. 
um, which you can do, but you have to, there's no trust on the site. Like there's like this, this site looks like any site and there's, there's. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say check out some of our other videos where we, um, like look at other stores, like on the Shopify exchange marketplace. And obviously if you're in our course and we go pretty in detail on this stuff, but yeah. Um, let's say it needs a lot of work. If you're in our course, I literally set the site that everything you need in 40. So yeah. that would be, that would be worth your, uh, yeah. Uh, but number one, change the domain name if you want to, yeah. You know, um, not get put in jail. So <laughs> you want the feds knocking. Yeah. So text Avery said, um, how long would it take to scale a store to about 6,000 a month profit? How much of an investment would it require? Do you have any input, Brayden? Uh, FBA or drop shipping? I think he means drop shipping. How much money would they have to put in? Well, I mean, really the reality is, um, not much at all. I mean, have you guys calculated, um, on your, uh, how much to build a site and everything? Yeah. I mean, we're talking hundreds, you know, to start a drop shipping site and, you know, do ads, I would say pretty minimal. Yeah. I think the point is that I mean, you could really get started with a thousand bucks. What do you guys tell? I don't want to step. I don't know what you guys tell your. No, man, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, go by the, uh, we're not, we're not the authority. We're not here to censor your speech. We want to hear what you, what you have to say. Yeah, no, I starting a, I mean, you, know, you get the domain, you get this couple things, you get the Shopify. If you're going to do it, you guys have a course that t shows people how to design the site. So, you know, building a site on Shopify is so easy now. And then just reaching out to suppliers is just going to take a lot of your time and then uh, pretty minimal. And then you put most of your money towards ads and, uh, yeah. Yeah. It should be generating a return. So it's not like you have to put in a certain amount of money and then like wait for it to come back. You should be getting that yeah. coming back after even the first, um, like three hundred dollars that Google gives you when you make a new account. Yeah, that's probably the most important thing to tell people. Actually, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's always like, how much money does it take? It's so different. You can't. It's you know, it's a good question, but it's, it's. I think it's a very common question for people starting out, and it's very much, it depends, and or I think you're looking at it wrong. It's more, you know how to get a successful site, start, you know, site going, you know, it could even a site that you, if you only put a thousand dollars and you don't use any of your own time and it makes you two, three grand a month, I, you know, I would consider that a success, you know? So. Yeah. And like some people, you know, they're, they didn't have five to 10 years of entrepreneurship experience to go and take a hold of a business. And scary. Yeah. You know, like this is a lot of people's first foray into doing something like this. So if it takes you a year, just to make $3,000 a month. I think that's great because where, you know, you had to start from somewhere. It took yeah. us years to figure all this out. So it's just, um, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to put a timeline on it because you can just call a supplier and it's like you hit a home run with that first call or, you know, the, the first week, uh, or oftentimes, you know, it could take months or it, there's so many variables. It just matters that you keep putting in the work and, you know, the people that keep putting in the work over years, they all get to wherever they want to be. And, and then some, cause then once you realize how like open-ended this stuff is, your goals change and, and you're able to take it much further. I remember Joe and I, you know, we wanted to make just a couple thousand bucks a month and now it's like, it's yeah. a, a, yeah, you don't, for six. yeah. The thing is, is you don't need to, it's not like you have a job and you're thinking like, all right, how long is it going to take me to get this raise? And then, uh, 
I can finally make what I want to make and then I'm going to go spend it all on stuff that I don't need. It's more like once you make that $3,000 a month or $1,000 a month, even if it's not that much to you, all you have to do is repeat that. So we always talk, we talk about this all the time is you, you develop the skills, you repeat the skills. And so you're really, it's, it sounds cliche, but you're investing in yourself. <laughs> yes. It's all true. And on that note, I think uh, it's a good, a good spot to wrap it up. And remember, guys, sell blueberries. Yes. <laughs> Be the blueberry sell blueberries online. I, I, honestly, I get the analogy. That's awesome. I, I feel like he's I'm picking on him now, but that's awesome. No, it's it was I, I you know what it was five seven years ago, but it's funny how I remember because it's well, yeah, dude, that, totally. I mean, being in that kind of a business, I man, I uh, those businesses that are built around salt, yeah, like dealing with the bureaucracy and everything else instead of just being the guy that just makes it one thing. Yeah, I hundred percent with you, hundred percent with you there. I did that with my insurance business. We were that that was our business is basically being the middleman and a bunch of crap. And just, uh, and that's why we sold it. It's like, I didn't want to do it. So, <laughs> to me, drop shipping, man. That's the blueberries right there. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, hey, thanks so much. Thank you. Take it easy. It is. Thanks for listening to the Build Assets Online Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget, subscribe, share, and leave us a rating on whatever platform you might be listening from. And if you're ready to learn how to build your own online business portfolio, start now by visiting buildassetsonline.com slash playbook. We'll see you in the next episode.